Hey everyone, I'm Jonathan Grzbowski, and this is a Blind Entrepreneurship Bonus Episode brought to you by Penji, a podcast that helps entrepreneurs and business professionals execute their vision of profitability. This week's episode is from our community conversation series, and it's with Sakina Berdier, Director of Partnerships, and Rachel Whitworth, the founder of Let's Be Authentic, a company devoted to bringing people together to create meaningful connections. During the interview, she talks about the benefits of being vulnerable, finding your authentic self, and how people can build better relationships in their everyday life. Something that I am confident that we all need to do a little bit better job. Uh, as always, please reach out at any time. Connect with me directly uh, under the platform J or head over to tbeshow.com and drop a comment on this week's episode. Catch you next Monday, but until then, go out there and execute your vision. Everybody have a great rest of your day. And today I'm here with someone who was introduced to me through uh, the WeWork co-working space. Her name is Rachel Whitworth, and she's the founder of Let's Be Authentic, which I thought was an incredible idea because what she does is put these events together that brings uh, people together, professionals together so that they can connect on an authentic and meaningful uh, level. So I'm going to allow Rachel to talk more about what Let's Be Authentic is and why she started it and how she started it and all that good stuff. Um, and then we'll get into, you know, some more conversations. So Rachel, you want to introduce yourself and let people know what it is that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, so what Let's Be Authentic does or what I do with throughout Let's Be Authentic is really offer a a bunch of opportunities for meaningful connection. And what that looks like is um, I teach classes and workshops with the practice of authentic relating. Um, and authentic relating is sort of an open source um, practice that's done all over the world where it's really kind of activities and tools that are designed to really help people kind of leave the masks at the door that we wear kind of on a daily basis, the, you know, I'm a mother, I'm a sister, I'm a, you know, whatever I am, and really get to the root of, of who we are as humans and, and to help we'll create a space of, of really being with each other in that state of, of humanness together and, and what that connection feels like. So there's, there's a, an invitation for people to show up, you know, with vulnerability and there's, there's exercises that help to um, foster that. So Definitely. What's your background and how did you get into doing this type of work? You know, it's funny. My background really has little to do with connection. In fact, uh, it's something that for me was always something I was challenged with, wanting more connection and not really knowing how to create it for myself. Hmm. So my background professionally was actually in running small businesses. I've always done like operations management for, for different companies. And um, I was introduced to authentic relating the practice as a participant a few years ago. And it was life-changing for me. So it was really a pivotal point for me in going, like the switch flipped for me of like, oh, this is what life really is about. Um, once I kind of got a taste for that, what it was like to really be in connection with somebody in a way that was vulnerable, in a way that was, um, yeah, just open in that way. I wanted more and I wanted to learn more about it. And I wanted to spread it with other people. I wanted to share that, um, that amazing feeling for you know, people who might not know it exists, because I certainly didn't before. Mm, you talked about people waking up every day and putting on a mask. What type of mask were you wearing and, and how were you able to let that down so that you could make those connections? Yeah, that's a really good question. And the truth is I still wear masks. You know, it's, it's like, it's such an old habit that is so easy to just, you know, pick it right up. I'm getting up in the morning and going out the front door. And so I notice in myself the way that I can, um, 
you know, wear masks of just really for me, a big one is being protected and guarded with people. Um, and that I, I got everything under control without really needing help from outside sources. Mm-hmm. And I'm really good at faking that one, right? Like I'm really good at giving the impression that I'm just on top of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but inside is a lot of, you know, more complex and, you know, there's a lot of fear and a lot of all of that stuff, right? And um, by wearing that mask of, oh, I've got everything under control, that's a way that I keep people far from me because then they go, oh, she's got this. She doesn't, mm, she doesn't need yeah. help, yeah. Yeah, or she doesn't even want me because I, she seems like she's got everything under control. So, so that's an example of a way that, that that mask was really preventing me from being in connection with people. And it's still something that I, I work with you know, on a daily basis as I continue to grow as a person to so like really learn to go, okay, I have a choice. You know, I, can, I can keep doing this old pattern or I can actually choose to, to put down the mask and take a step into vulnerability, which, you know, it, it has the ability to invite possibly, possibly pain, um, pain rather. And mm-hmm. so that's, that's the reason I keep it up. You know, it's like, oh, I can just protect myself. Yeah, I think uh, the, the funny thing about, you know, you say people wear masks and have walls up is that when you have a wall up, you don't only prevent bad things from getting in, you prevent good things from getting in too. So yeah. I think that's the part that people miss is like when you're guarded, you can't let let anything in, even if it's like a blessing or, you know, something that good favor that'll be coming to you too. Yeah. You have your blinders up to it. Right. So it's, yeah. And for oh. me, the other piece that I, I realized is in uh, basically living my life presenting as if I have everything together. It's Mm -hmm. kind of similar to how I view social media, right? There's a lot of ability to put on this front of like, oh, everything's great. Us and the kids just went to the beach and all this. And so then there's this, um, there's this sense that I've got it all together, even though I'm juggling a lot of things. And then what does that, what is the impact that that has on other people who are maybe not feeling like they're on top of everything? Do they look at me and, and do they really see that there's a vulnerable side that you know, sometimes I get really upset and overwhelmed, probably a lot of times, you know, and so there's, there's, you know, an impact to living a life with this kind of false mask, too, because it, um, I judge that it really has the ability to, you know, help feed other people's assumption that they're doing something wrong, if if everyone else has got it together, you know. Mm -hmm. Why did you feel like you have to portray that you have it all together? Oh boy, that's a deep question. (laughs) (laughs) Because Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of uh, specifically women do that. And it's because we have a lot more to carry as far as emotionally and and with the lives that we have and balancing careers and and families and stuff like that. So is that one of the reasons that you felt like because of all the things you had going on or is it a protection mechanism? I mean, it's both. And I think that it's, uh, for me, I've just over the years of personal growth work I've done to really dig into that, it, it feels to me like it's about uh, ultimately a fear of, you know, not being accepted and loved. If I don't do it right, if I don't have it all together, and if I don't do it all myself, it won't get done. So then everything will be, you know, it'll fall apart. And, you know, what reality has shown me time and time again, which my brain doesn't always want to remember that everything's usually fine. Like everything works out fine. I'm I'm still standing here, you know, like I'm still alive and everything's, you know, I still have all my limbs. So I can't, um, you know, I can't say that things have gotten messed up to the point of not being able to survive it. So Mm -hmm. what type of personal, if if you don't mind sharing uh, personal development work, did you do on yourself to, to realize these things? 
Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of, I mean, it's been a variety of stuff over the years. In fact, just trying to think of it off the top of my head, I probably forget most of it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, really working with stuff like authentic relating is, is a big piece. Um, you know, years of therapy, years of just having intellectual conversations with people about, you know, what's going on, things like journaling, meditating, all of that stuff. So I kind of have a variety bag of personal group <laughs> stuff um, and really just kind of diving into, um I think, you know, things like meditation have increased the ability to identify what's, what's alive and then, you know, exploring it with journaling or other things to really kind of get to the root of it. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, you mentioned social media earlier. Do you think that has hurt or helped people with connecting with each other? Social media is such a tricky thing. Um, I think both. I think it's... Um, it has the potential of bringing people together. I mean, I would say most of the people that come to my events have heard of it through social media. So when I think about that and I think about the, the feedback I get from these events and people are like, wow, this was amazing. This, I feel so you know, nourished. And I go, if they were never on social media, they never would have you know, experienced that. And I'm sure there's a bunch of other events and, and things in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, I've, I've observed my own relationship with social media and I can say with certainty that it's created a lot of depression, like it's increased depression for me in the past, Mm -hmm. where there's this tendency to go, um, oh, this is what everyone else is doing. And Mm -hmm. here I am, woe is me. (laughs) And it's not, it wasn't a conscious thought at the time. It was just happening. It felt like it was happening to me. And then one day I just said enough. And I actually, for years, was off of social media completely. Mm. And it felt, you know, necessary for me to really to close that door because I knew I wasn't using it healthily. Mm, got you. And was it, for both, I think. was it hard for you to disconnect for, for that period of time or did you kind of just get used to living without it? I know, I know a lot of us need it for business, so it's hard to just turn it off completely. So how did right. you manage that? Well, and, and now I'm back on it for business. I mean, mainly, but the, um, it, I don't know that it was very hard. You know, the thing that was funny to me was that um, the one thing I would miss out on is actual events, like real live events that were p- taking place, like somebody having a potluck or like my family gatherings being posted and then going, I hear at the last minute that it's happening. <laughs> They're like, we put it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. And I'd have my brother telling me, you know, very last minute. So um, that was really the only hard part about it. I, I think for me, um, there might've been like an adjustment period in the very beginning, but what I found was that the social time that I was having after that was much more intentional. So the people that wanted to see me were texting me or calling me and saying, hey, let's hang out or whatever, or they would reach out to me directly, kind of organically thinking of me and vice versa, right? When I would think of somebody, I would reach out to them as opposed to it being like, you know, them just showing up on my feed as, as well as everyone else that I'm connected to from high school and from all my past jobs and all that stuff. So I think in general, it's, it's been a really positive move for me. Mm. When you have your events, what is the, the biggest thing that you see that holds people back from making uh, meaningful connections? Um, I don't know that I can answer that com- like in, entirely because I, I, it's not something I have explored with people directly at my events, but what I see and what I, what I assume is happening based on what I see is that um, similar to me, there's a, there's a, reservedness in, in sharing too much because you know that's a vulnerability that then could lead to 
people holding it against you or people, you know, um, judging for it, you know, like whatever they, whatever stories they have about what that means, you know, with what you share. Um, and yeah, I see a lot of people, it, it, it's being vulnerable seems to be contagious because mm -hmm. if I have an event where people, you know, and, and every event's different, like even if I design the exact same event, which I don't usually do anyway, but um, even I, if I, if it's the exact same activities, you know, what people show up and what they're bringing to the afternoon means that it's going to be totally, two totally different experiences. Um, and what I've seen is that there are, um, you know, one or two people that are like jump right into being vulnerable. It's contagious. Other people really like, like lean into that. Whereas if someone's, you know, if a lot of people are really guarded and not really sharing much, then that, then that kind of can yeah. Um, influence what other I mean I'm, just, I'm again making an assumption on what I'm seeing mm -hmm. uh, but it certainly seems to have an impact on people when when others share vulnerably and I see it for myself too the, you know mm -hmm. the more I open up vulnerably the more others tend mm -hmm. as well just even personally is that how you break the ice by you opening up first or how do the events usually work is it like a group type thing? Yeah. so basically it's uh, we always start off in a um, full group circle with everybody and, and I just kind of give an introduction to you know what authentic relating is and um, and I'm realizing I'm saying I a lot and I do co-collaborate with some other facilitators uh, as well so it's not just me alone but mm -hmm. uh, the um, yeah we, we introduce what authentic relating is to anyone who hasn't you know been familiar with it or hasn't been to an event and we go over some agreements as just kind of a general way to create a safe container for people to share openly and feel um, hopefully create a more safe space for that and part of that is confidentiality and part of that is also touching on just really making sure people are willing to own their own experiences and take care of themselves so if there's something that they don't feel comfortable doing that we really say hey like we're expecting that you'll you know say hey I'm not, I'm not interested in doing that or it doesn't feel good to me and and so with with that kind of stuff as the container then then that kind of helps to um you know, co-create that that vulnerability, I would say, uh, and really help people understand that, you know, no one's going to walk out of here. Like, we're all agreeing that no one's walking out of here and, and sharing what, what was heard. Mm. What was said. Yeah. What is uh, one thing that you want people to walk away with after each meetup or, or interaction that they have at the event? Yeah, there's, um, there's a feeling that I experienced myself, and I, I feel like others have shared it verbally, and it's really just kind of like a nourishing like, you know, like a soul nourishing feeling. Uh, and that's probably the most common feedback I get from my events is like, I came in feeling really anxious and nervous and like, what am I doing here? And like, I'm leaving feeling this really, you know, calm sense of just like peaceful, you know, the other feedback I hear a lot is people like feel like they know these this group of people more than they know some of their close friends. Mm. Like from just a couple hours of being in the same room together. It's like, it has this way, I think, and it's not just the exercises, right? It's also the the intention that we all set by just coming into this event, knowing that there's, you know, we're all there to connect, right? And so we kind of co-create it. And then the activities help because they're, they're shaped for the vulnerability, right? There's some guidelines and there's some instructions. So it's not just like, okay, everybody open up. Mm -hmm. You kind of ease into it. Yeah, yeah. Every activity that we have, like I, I, you know, explain the instructions and there's usually like time set for various parts of it so that it's gotcha. kind of step by step and it really kind of guides people through in a gentle way, in a way that wouldn't be necessarily 
um, it wouldn't flow naturally in a normal conversation. Like, okay, it's fi- your five minutes are up. I'm no longer going to listen to you. <laughs> but you know, it's, it, what it does is it's a practice just like yoga or meditation, where the more you do it in a structured way, the more it has uh, this ability to leak into the rest of your, your day-to-day interactions with people and your relationships. You know, mm. Is this something that can be used in place of therapy or in addition to therapy? Um, I wouldn't, I would never suggest instead of therapy. Um, it, it does have the potential of, of having a therapeutic effect in the, in yeah. that there's, you know, strong emotions can come up and, um, there's really, you know, things can get stirred certainly. Um, and I think that's really where having a therapist or a professional, whether it's a coach or somebody else that you're working with to really kind of finish that, that process or kind of work with what's come up, I think is a really important piece to it especially for people who have some really, um, you know, some deep wounded um, things being stirred up. I think it's important to have that support. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really not a replacement for therapy. It's not designed to be a replacement for therapy. It's, it's kind of a um, more of an experiential, you know, thing. Is it for all ages? Adults. Yeah. And and I say that uh, knowing that there have been some uh, kid events that I have not personally done myself um, events for, for teenagers and preteens and so forth. Uh, so authentic relating can certainly be uh, used it for all ages. Um, the events that I've been doing so far have been just for adults. Mm. Do you sense that a lot of people come just to check it out and see who's there and not really are open to sharing things or most people are open to sharing and they, they want to be a part of the process? Yeah, if I were to to guess, I would say most people come wanting to share or at least um, my guess would be knowing that they're missing something in their life and wanting mm, something. Might not know what it is. Right. And maybe, maybe not ready to share as vulnerably as they want. And that's, again, that's a projection on my part because that's exactly how, mm-hmm. how I kind of showed up in the past of like going, hmm, you know, I'm doing this thing. I'm not really fully present because I'm scared to, to dip my toe in, but here I am observing. <laughs> so and then the people that you see at the events, do you see them again? the next week like a weekly thing or can that get awkward if you're sharing things with people and then like you gotta you see them again the next week or does it build oh no it's actually quite the opposite because what happens is the more you start to see these the same faces it really is creating that community sense because now you're like cool this person is clearly into this just like i am at least that's where how i take it but yeah i see a lot of the same faces i would say at most events I do, at least half of the people are, you know, have been to events of mine before. Mm-hmm. And come, you know, every time, some come, you know, most times, some I won't see for a while, and then we'll just pop up again. Yeah. So it, yeah, it really varies with that. And there's, you know, usually always at least one or two new faces as well. So. Mm-hmm. And are people, most people coming here just to, to find friendships? Or is it sometimes to just get something off their chest? Or it's kind of like a mixture of both? I think it's a mixture of both. I mean, some of our pe- um, the people that come are married and have, you know, or have significant others. Some of them bring their significant others. Um, in fact, I just, I have a woman that comes, has been coming from the beginning to my events like regularly, and she just brought her husband for the first time uh, recently. So it, yeah, there's a mix. And then I, I've had people, um, it's funny, I just recently started uh, doing singles specific events. And I've had people even before I was doing that meet romantically meet their partner at my events mm. um so so sometimes i think there's um you, there's a potential just because you're really it's a space for people that are willing to be 
you know, there for more vulnerable connection that if, yeah, if it's a friendship that you're looking for, if it's a romantic partner, it really does kind of lend itself to just making new connections. And sometimes it might just be like, you know, uh, nice to go there and know that the kind of people are that are there are open to connection. And then maybe you'll, you'll leave that event and never connect with those people outside of that. And maybe you'll make a bunch of new best friends, right? It's, it, it's really kind of up to what feels good to you and, and, and what, you know, you're looking for and what connections you make. Definitely. Your background is in psychology, meditation, and comedy. So how do you utilize those, those gifts and skills to empower people around you? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> it's funny, the comedy part just comes out. <laughs> it's kind of something that doesn't really, I don't, um, I don't do on purpose. It just kind of comes yeah. out. Well, it's, um, a, it's still a gift. Some yeah. I don't have that. It feels, you know, it's funny. It's I, uh, my relationship with my comedy specifically too has been, um, it's been interesting because I've had some people notice that it really, like they've shared with me that having the sense of humor kind of in the events helps them feel more relaxed. And then I think other people that might not be the case um, if they feel like I'm cracking jokes to like, you know, I'm not like making fun of people certainly. And, you know, I, I just, um, there's a way that humor I think can be mm-hmm. um, perceived as, as not a healthy thing. So it's interesting to see the different reactions I've gotten. And um, it has a tendency, I think, to keep things a little lighter, which um, I don't know is necessarily the best thing for the events that I'm doing, right? It comes out some days more than others, some events more than others, right? If, if things are going really uh, in a deeper, um, more vulnerable way in the event, it comes out a lot less than if- Got you. A lot of new faces and a lot of nervousness, it might come out more naturally, but it's it's interesting to see how that kind of bubbles up. Yeah. My event. I, w- I would think that would help to break the ice more than any in the beginning, maybe right. not once people start to share things because you don't want them to think they're you're laughing at them. But right. in the beginning, I can definitely see how that could help. Yeah. Definitely. I think there's, I think humor too is it, there. My um, experience of humor is that it's a release in, in some sense, like laughter is a release. And so there is kind of a, a delicate dance with, with sprinkling humor in, in a way that just kind of helps to, yeah, like another form of whether it's crying or laughing or whatever we're doing at the events, you know, it's, it's another it's piece. Yeah, definitely. What are some simple steps that people can take every day to strengthen the connections with people around them? So if it's like something we can do every day in our workplace or at home or with our families, what are those, what would you say those, those steps are that we can take? Yeah, that's a great question. So from a, um, from a physical standpoint, and this wouldn't necessarily be appropriate in the workplace, but just um, the importance of physical connection, I think is, is um, overlooked a lot. And so, you know, more hugs, I would say, and, and more hugs that are actually um, quality hugs. And I'm Mm. (laughs) not the side, the side side hug, not the pat, I'm patting you on the back, you know, um, I, I, you know, it's funny, ever since I've gotten into this practice and in just this work, it's like my hugs have gotten longer and and better, like in general, and when I say better, I mean like there's just, you know, a sinking into it that I experience. Yeah. And um, I mean, that's with my friends and, you know, so it's, it, um, yeah, there, I would say that piece uh, from a physical, I mean, because neurologically there's, there are, you know, hormones and and chemicals being released in our brain, oxytocin and all the good stuff, right? When you're um, dopamine, 
when you're in connection. And so it takes, I think like 20 seconds for a hug to start to release that stuff. Mm. And if I think about the hugs, I'm, you, you know, do it on the fly. It's usually not 20 seconds, right? So, uh, so that's one piece. Um, and I think the other piece would be um, from a connection standpoint, um, two things come to mind. One is um, asking open-ended questions. Mm -hmm. So asking questions that don't elicit a yes or no answer, but, but rather like, um, hey, tell me about your day or tell, you know, something that not just, hey, was your, you have a good day? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. There's like a difference in, in that. Um, and I think the other thing that comes to mind is really just active listening. So when someone is sharing something, um, whether it be a friend or even a coworker, right? Like really uh, kind of biting your tongue, so to speak, and really allowing them to, to share without interruption, without interjection and allowing them to kind of get it out fully. And, and, um, and, you know, to add to that would be even just to reflect back what you heard is always a valuable piece, mm -hmm. you know, using in your own words, like what you just heard them share so that you can really get a sense, like, did I, did I get that right? You know, mm -hmm. what you were sharing. Mm -hmm. One of the things you mentioned was like uh, giving hugs and the importance of physical connection. So in our workplace, we don't, we don't do hugs because obviously it's inappropriate, uh, but we do fist bumps. So like, we'll, we'll do that at the beginning of, of each day. And it's funny you say that because our, our founder actually said that that's the reason he fist bumps each team member in the beginning of the day, because it helps you to connect on a, a stronger level. And I've actually never heard that before. And then you just reiterated that. So I think it's, it's really interesting. So maybe yeah. at work, it can be a fist bump or a high five for, you know, the, for the people listening um, so that you don't get in any, any trouble or anything. Right. Right. Yeah. It's certainly, you want to make sure it's a consensual thing. <laughs> for, sure, for sure. And then with the hugs, um, you know, you don't really, you don't really know that you're missing a good hug until you actually have one. But like you said, like the long 20 second hugs until you actually uh, experience one, you don't know that like, man, when's the last time I actually had a good hug? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how do you deal with like the natural ups and downs of entrepreneurship? Ooh, I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can ever answer that question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so for me, and ups and downs is really, you you nail it with just saying it that, that way because it really is. Um, and really, I'm learning as just, you know, in my personal life, but especially as an entrepreneur is, is really to like reach out more and more for support around me. And that's still a challenge for me because it's, because again, it goes back to that. Like, I've got everything. I don't need any help, you know. And, and it's not really what I want to be, how I want to be living my life. And so there's a way in which I'm, I'm really practicing on a daily basis, asking for support, sharing with you know, the people close to me, like the vulnerability of like where I'm at. And sometimes that's wanting to rip my hair out because I feel like overwhelmed with stuff. Right. So it, it really is, um, uh, it's an everyday practice really to, to support, to find support for that and to, you know, keep myself bolstered in a way that can show up for the world. <laughs> mm -hmm. Do you, um, do you reach out to people, uh, directly? Like, do you have any mentors or people that you, that you, uh, talk to, to help you professionally, or do you kind of just figure things out on your own? I have a, a mix of, of various like support groups. Like when I say groups, I mean like circles of friends that are, are you know, some of them are also facilitators in authentic relating. And some of them are, are just friends that have, you know, done a lot of personal growth work. Um, so I have kind of a mix of, of people in my life that have, um, have varying degrees of, of uh, 
um, experience in different types of either entrepreneurship or uh, the type of work that I do with mm-hmm. actual authentic relating or, or, or similar type um, events or not events, but like similar, similar type of practices. Got you. Got you. How do you find time to recharge and what do you do to recharge yourself? That's a good question too. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I'd say having low-key social time with friends where I'm not facilitating. <laughs> I mean, that connection is, is useful, but um, certainly by facilitating, I'm holding space for others. But when I'm just like in a low-key like potlucks with friends or, you know, if it's just myself, like by, by myself, I love to hike. I love being in the woods. Um, so any kind of, you know, time in nature like that, sometimes I'm just laying in the grass somewhere and you know, looking up in the sky and yeah, exactly. So, so those are really, um, but from a social standpoint, I think really just kind of like relaxed social settings where, where there's kind of like people. No are pressure. Yeah. And everyone's just kind of like, there's a natural, you know, flow to the conversation and people are, you know, there's different pockets of conversations in different parts of the room and no one's having to like you know, make a big dinner or something. It's just, (laughs) does that ever feel heavy uh, being a facilitator and so many different people and so many different energies around you? I feel pretty resilient to that part of it. Like other, like being affected by other people's energies that, yeah, I feel pretty resilient to that. And that's not to say that I don't get affected, but it feels, it doesn't feel like something that stands out to me as being mm. a challenge. Okay. okay. Which I feel lucky about, because I know that that's not the case for some people. I, I like, I have people that are close to me that are more heavily affected by people's energy and, and stuff. So it, that I imagine is a blessing and a curse. Yeah. I would say that's a, that's a good thing, especially how often do you do the events? Uh, so there's several a month. Um, and right now I've been ramping up the singles events that I'm doing, and those are age specific. So um, I'll have a bunch of them because I'm covering various age groups. Gotcha. Um, so for instance, in September, I think, well, like over the course of the next month, I think I have like four or five events coming up. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, the, the um, goal is to increase that by um, spreading out what I'm doing to various areas, like both in the Philadelphia region. And I'd love to make it to other parts of the country and, you know, who knows, the world. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. How do you measure impact in, in your work today? How do I measure it? Um, I mean, what comes to mind when you say that is is really just hearing people share at the end of the events that I do. Mm-hmm. I would like to do a check-in just as a way to, to kind of wrap up. And it's always, uh, for me, the uh, a little bit of a gauge to, to see how people are when they're walking out the door. And um, I'm so frequently, like that's, if I'm in facilitator mode and not really able to like be in my heart space during the event, like, and usually I, I can because there's a lot of touching moments that happen. But at the end uh, is often a time where like, I feel very impacted by hearing other people's impact mm-hmm. uh, of the evening. You know, it's, um, they'll, you know, usually be able to share what is, you know, how they're walking away from this event. And it's often a very touching thing. Yeah. Definitely. Well, we, we definitely love the work that you're doing. Um, I'm incredibly in- intrigued and impressed by it. And hopefully we can implement some of the, the small things that you, small tips that you gave us into our personal lives and in our workplaces as well. So our audience is a lot of um, entrepreneurs and startups and, and business professionals. So if there's one thing you can ask for from our audience, if there's anything that you need, I know you said you have a hard time asking for help. So uh, what would that be? What do you want to ask our audience for? Ooh, ask from them, you mean? 
As for uh, anything, it can be more support at the events for, for if we're local, it can be, um, you know, uh, support, it can be uh, um, a mentor, it can be anything. Oh, huh. um, well, one thing that comes to mind is, is, is keeping authentic relating in mind as, as a tool for themselves, whether it be personally or professionally. Um, I feel like what comes up for me in, in asking for some something from them is really just um, like I want to say spread the the connection with other people like by being by showing up vulnerably ourselves taking the mask off yeah take it by, by showing up vulnerably ourselves we have the opportunity to invite others to just mm. by it so I guess my request would really be to to maybe inquire in yourself what ways um what masks you might be wearing and and you know if there are, are times to put them down to mm. show other people. that was perfect thank you that's something i'm adding to the end of every segment now uh, because we want to be able to give back to the people that we talk to as well so thank you for that um yeah. and just tell people where they can find you to learn more your uh, website linkedin all that good stuff yeah so uh, let's be authentic.com is the main website if you're interested in the singles events, you can go to phillyauthenticdating.com. And um, I don't think I'm on LinkedIn, actually, which um, as you're saying that, I'm going, hmm. <laughs> okay, so um, let's be authentic.com right now. Yeah, that's the best way. And, and I would recommend joining the mailing list. And then that way I send out you know, blasts when events are coming up. Uh, we have an event in Philly uh, next Wednesday in Center City, um, which you can find info and tickets on letsbeauthentic.com. So yeah, if anyone wants to join, we still have a few spots left. So Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Rachel, for joining me. And for everybody that's still listening and watching, uh, you can find us at penji.co for all your unlimited graphic design needs and uh, new episodes and new content. Uh, on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday live on our Facebook. Um, this will also be up later so that everybody can keep watching it and it will go up on our website uh, as soon as next week. So thank you all for listening and watching and have a safe and productive rest of your day.